Well, it is, it is very good to be back here at Shore Foundation after two weeks away. I really did, I really did miss all of you. Um, last week, I was, I was preaching in upstate New York, and the week before that, I was on vacation. I got to go back to my parents' place in Wisconsin, um, got a little bit of a, of a tan and, and relaxed. It was a good time, and so maybe it's good to start off this morning with just a short story from that vacation. I went to my parents' place, and I walked into their garage, and in the very back corner of the garage, there was this big heap covered by a dusty tarp, and underneath it is an old motorcycle that was given to me a bunch of years ago. And so I had some time. I like to tinker with things. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this thing running again. Um, and so the first step was to go find my old battery, charge it up, plop it in the motorcycle, hop on, and hit the starter, and I was hoping the thing was going to start. But guess what? You all know what happened. There was nothing. No lights. The engine didn't turn over. The battery was completely dead. So I took it out, went to the hardware store, and I bought a new battery. And I asked the man there, I said, well, why does this keep happening to me? Every single year, I need to buy a new battery. Nobody touches the thing. It just sits on a shelf. How is it going bad? And he said, well, with these batteries, if you don't use them, if you don't charge them up periodically, if you just let them to sit on a shelf and collect dust, they forget how to be a battery. They lose their charge, and they're never going to find it again. They're just junk. In the lesson that I, I just read a few minutes ago, and I'm going I'm to read it again in a few more moments, Jesus talks about a gift that was given to each and every one of you years and years ago. But very often in Christians' lives, this gift of prayer sits on a shelf, unused, and collects dust. And when that happens, we as Christians forget how to be Christians in that part of our lives. But through this text, Jesus has a lot to say to us, and it's, it's a good thing that, that we're people and not batteries, <laughs> because you don't have to be thrown out but you can be retaught and you can remember how to have a vibrant and a reinvigorated prayer life. Through this text, Jesus says, this is exactly what to pray. This is how to pray. And I'm guessing you're going to think, well, those aren't really uh, groundbreaking truths. I've, I've heard those before. But I think what is unexpected and extraordinary is our motivation to pray. I'm going to refresh your memory from uh, these words from Luke chapter 11. Luke writes, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, 
Yet, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Our word this morning. The disciples, they had seen Jesus praying all the time. At, at his baptism, they found him in prayer, and then, and then a great thing happened. Holy Spirit came down and anointed him. Um, at his transfiguration, he went up on a mountain with some disciples. Two other men appeared. He had been praying, and then he, he shone like the sun. And today, you see, you see it again in the first verse. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. The disciples are surrounded by Jesus as they see the perfect model for prayer. And so one bold disciple, this strikes him, and, and he looks at Jesus and sees him praying and thinks, this is what I want. I want to be able to talk to my Father in heaven like Jesus is talking to his Father right now. So he pipes up, and he says, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't know if prayer is not, it's not a complicated thing, is it? It's not that hard. It's not hard to get down on your hands and knees or, or to sit in a nice, quiet place and fold your hands and bow your head and pray. But if, I think if, if I polled 100 Christians and said, what's the one place in your faith life that you would really love to improve? I think a lot of them would say my prayer life. They'd say, often I forget about prayer. Uh, it just doesn't happen. I know that I should do it, and I, I know it's a good thing for me, but but it's sitting on the shelf collecting dust. I think you and I, can, we can cry out along with this bold disciple, Lord, teach us to pray today. And Jesus answers this man um, not, with, not with like a rebuke as often as he would. Sometimes he would say, oh, you of little faith, or, or stop doubting and believe. But he just gives the man exactly what he needed. He gives him a model prayer. He says, these are the exact words you can pray. To put this another way, um, if you, when you go out to a restaurant um, and the waiter comes up and says, all right, time for dessert, and you say, oh yeah, I'm going to have the cherry pie. The waiter doesn't come back with a recipe that says, well, go out and get the cherries, go out and get the sugar, go out and get the flour, and plop it in the oven, and 45 minutes later, you can have your cherry pie. He comes out with this steaming, succulent, sugary piece of pie with some ice cream on top. He just says, here it is. And this is what Jesus does for us today. Not putting on like a, a, this, this um, uh, prayer seminar or to say, you've got, you got to check off this list, this thing, this thing, this thing on your list before you can be good at prayer. He doesn't do that. He just says, here it is. I'm going to give it to you. Pray these words. Jesus says, Start off your prayer and pray to your Father and say, hallowed be your name. And pray your kingdom come. Pray that he'll take care of your daily needs. Pray that temptation would be far, far away. And and pray for forgiveness. That just as you remember 
God's forgiveness as you forgive others, that, that God would forgive you each and every day. As we look at this prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer, you see that there are five things that we ask for, and only one of them really focuses solely on our needs and what we want for each and every day. The, the other five are all spiritual matters. So I guess I'd ask you uh, just to evaluate your prayer life and, and where are your petitions lying? Um, are, are most of them saying, well, this is what I need, God. This is what I need for a good future. This is what I need to get through the day. Or do they follow, do they model the words of Jesus that say, thank your God in heaven for, for being hallowed. And pray that his kingdom would come quickly and that his gospel would spread throughout this entire world. Pray that the devil would be far, far away and wouldn't tempt you in your sins anymore. And, and pray that you would be showered in forgiveness every day. This is the prayer Jesus gives you and it's, it's a delicious dessert. After Jesus goes through and he says, well, this, these, are the, these are the words to pray. He doesn't hesitate to also say, and this, this is how to pray. This is the attitude that I want. And so he, he spins a little bit of a parable, uh, this, this short story of an annoyed homeowner and his annoying friend. Now, can you imagine this happening today? You're in your apartment. It's been a really tough week. You're all tucked in, and then it's, it's in the middle of the night, midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, and then the speaker goes off for like minutes. And you're sitting there like, oh, just please go away. Just please, please go away. But it's just, and you show up, you're like, all right, you hit the intercom, you say, what do you want? And it's a friendly voice, and they say, oh, I just need a little bit of food for a friend. And you think, oh, just, just go away. Like, there's a deli down the street. It's, it's not a big deal. But they, they, they put their finger on their buzzer, and in between the buzzes, they say, I'm not leaving until you give me what I want. <laughs> this is the story Jesus tells. The persistent, bold, obnoxious man gets what he wants. In these parables, Jesus tells them all the time, and he always wants to make just one point of comparison. He, he spins the story, and he wants just to make one main simple point. And the point is not that, that God sits up in heaven like an, an annoyed homeowner. Not at all. The, the point is between you and that persistent man. Jesus says, your God welcomes a prayer like this. He welcomes a prayer that is so bold and so persistent that you would think it is socially awkward and unacceptable. That you would ask so vehemently for something that if you were to do it in today's world, you would be rejected and shunned and everybody would think you are just the most annoying person in the world. But God says, no, I want you to ask, seek, and knock. You ever think about those three verbs, how they, how they build on each other? First, ask about it. Just easy, right? But then now, now seek, a little bit more physical activity, things are building up, and now once you get there, knock and that door will be open. So I think the point here is that we tend to let our prayers fall to the ground after praying for a while. 
you pray the same thing over and over again, and it doesn't seem like God is answering, and then it's left to just lie in the dust. But Jesus would say, no, pray it again, again, and again. Excuse me. Now, I think you've heard a sermon or two, maybe a hundred sermons about reinvigorating your prayer life. At least you've thought about it before. And if you're anything like me, you hear a sermon like this, and you go home and you think, all right, I'm going to start praying up a storm, and my prayer life is going to just, it's going to be fixed. And from now on, I'm going to be the, the best Christian prayer in the world. And it lasts for a day, or a week, or a minute, and then your prayers fall to the ground. And so I'd say to you that you've got to keep reading in the text and finish it and see how Jesus talks about God. In verse 13, excuse me, in verse 11, Jesus says, which of you fathers? And then in verse 13, he says, how much more will your father? Makes this comparison between fathers on earth and our father in heaven. And he doesn't just make a comparison, but he says, God is your father. He sits in heaven as your father, and what will a father do? There's one thing I know about my father, is that he always cleaned up my messes. When I was just a toddler in my terrible twos, and I made a horrible mess of the house, my parents were there to clean it up. My father was there to pick up the pieces, and in high school or, or in, in early 20s, for, for young people, when they make a mess of their lives and something happens and they think, I'm done, I am ruined. Fathers are there to talk to the right people, to pick up the, pest, to pick up the pieces, and to fix it. So now think about your God as your father, who he is, and how he cleaned up your mess. How you had a horrible messy life, riddled with sin, and yet he did something, the most unexpected thing, sending his son Jesus into this world, his real firstborn son, to hang him on a splintered cross and to drive spikes into his hands so that Jesus would be destroyed and beaten and broken and messy so that you could be fixed and healed and cleaned up. And it goes so much further than, than just your entire sinful life being erased. But think of your prayer life. It can't be perfect, and it never will be. And yet, God raised Jesus from the dead and placed him at his right hand in heaven to rule all things and to do one more, to be your intercessor to pray for you, so that when your prayers go up to heaven, Jesus comes in and says, well, well, they don't quite model the Lord's Prayer, but guess what, I'm going to fill in the cracks. And he says, well, this prayer is coming up, and it doesn't quite have the right how, the right motivation. It's not as persistent as it should be, but I'm going to ask and seek and knock for those people at Shure Foundation again and again and again. And in this text, Jesus says that God will give you the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you know this, but one of the Holy Spirit's jobs 
is to plead for you and groan for you in words that no language can ever express. And so in God's language, somehow the Holy Spirit is there and saying, I love these people. And they forgot to pray today, and they forgot to pray tomorrow, and they'll forget to pray again, but I am going to pray for them to strengthen their faith, to give them the forgiveness of sins, to allow them to know that Jesus has died for them and that their lives are cleaned up. With that in mind, I think you'll find that your prayer is unexpected because of all Jesus has done. This is the very last sermon in the sermon series, Expect the Unexpected. And if you've been able to be with us for all five weeks, uh, we've seen as we looked at the unexpected costs of being a Christian, the results of following Jesus, and then service, love, and prayer in our lives. And maybe you've picked up on it, that the unexpected thing in each one of these five things is that you're not going to get a whole lot better at them. But Jesus is already the best. Jesus already did all five of those things perfectly. And so what's left for you to do? To live in thanksgiving and awe of all that he has done for you. Amen. Please stand. We join our voices now in the words of Create in Me.